0: Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2014 New York Gospel Truth Rally. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Well, we're glad you're here. I believe God's going to minister to you and bless you. Let's turn over to the book of Mark, chapter 4. Thank you, Jesus. I wanna share some things with you that are along the lines of the very first thing I said when I got up here tonight about how it really grieves me, how that people don't understand how much God loves you and how much God has equipped you and made you fit to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in life. I minister to a lot of people and the average person believes that God can do miracles. If I was to give a testimony like, Many of you have heard me talk about my son who is dead over four hours, stripped naked in a morgue on a slab with a toe tag on. And God raised him from the dead. And he is just doing awesome. A year later, he had a little girl, his uh, wife had a little girl. And uh, I've got a granddaughter now. And you know if I tell you about those miracles and tell you about that, most of you believe God can do that. BUT THERE ARE VERY FEW PEOPLE THAT BELIEVE GOD WILL DO THAT FOR YOU. YOU BELIEVE GOD WILL DO IT FOR ME, THAT HE'LL DO IT FOR A MINISTER, THAT HE'LL DO IT FOR HIS FAVORITES OR WHATEVER. MANY CHRISTIANS BELIEVE THAT GOD HAS THE POWER, BUT THEY DOUBT GOD'S WILLINGNESS TO USE HIS POWER ON THEIR BEHALF. AND SAD TO SAY THE CHURCH IN A WAY HAS FOSTERED THAT IDEA BECAUSE YOU KNOW WHAT? IT'S BENEFICIAL TO MINISTERS. It's beneficial to ministers to present it like for you to receive from God, you've got to come to me. You've got to be dependent upon me. You've got to receive my material. You've got to come to this church. It's a way of manipulation and control. I know some people don't like that, but that's just the truth. i tell you, religion stinks. Religion killed Jesus and God is not into religion. And there's a lot of people misrepresenting God and they are making it like you, as average Joe Blow or Jane Doe Christian, just can't receive from God. You've got to go to somebody with a special anointing on their life. And let me, let me just put a little parenthesis here and say some things. I'm not, I'm not gonna take time to explain this, but remember this as I go through what I'm gonna say tonight. I do acknowledge that God has people with special anointings on their life. There in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 it talks about those things, people that have the gifts of healings and the gift of miracles and the gift of faith. Those people do exist. I'm not one of them, but they do exist. And you know why, that, why God gave those special anointings were just special miracles, it says in Acts chapter 19, that special miracles were wrought by the hands of Paul? The reason God did that is because I'm gonna teach you tonight about how the kingdom works, and it works off of the Word of God, and I'm gonna teach you some basic things about the kingdom of God, how it works. But if that was the only way that a person could receive from God, Well, then what would happen with a person who's already been given a diagnosis of death? They only had a week to live and if they came forward tonight and if they got healed and if the only way to receive a miracle from God was just taking the Word of God, renewing your mind and letting the Word of God bring forth health in you, well, then the person who's only got a week to live would be destined to die because they don't have time to plant the seed and receive the harvest. And so, because of that, God did give these special gifts to the body of Christ. People that have miraculous healing ministries and they just wave their hand and people get healed and things happen. But that was never intended to be the dominant way that anybody receives from God. It's only a stopgap, temporary measure that God put in place to help you until you could start the kingdom of God working in your life and you could receive from God alone. That's why God did it. He never intended for us to substitute it. Well, it turns out that some people have tapped into those special anointings and then they've presented it as I'm the man or the woman of God and if you wanna receive, you've gotta come to me and the body has been basically taught that we have to go to people with their collar turned around backwards that have a special relationship with God or somebody who's got a special anointing on them and you've gotta come and receive during this exact moment. You know, some of the networks that I'm on, television, I've actually seen them before. There's an anointing of God on anybody who will give a thousand dollar offering for the next 28 minutes. And they, and all the phones just light up and everybody starts calling because they want this special anointing. And as I watch, he says, God just spoke to me. He's going to extend this for another 12 minutes. <laughs> I'm sure that's because they didn't meet their goal. And so that was the motivation behind it. Boy, I hate that stuff. I hate that stuff. And you know why they do it? Because it works. Because you fall for it. You give. I bet you there's people sitting right here in this room that have given to that stuff. Anyway, I'm gonna leave that alone lest I get in trouble. But we've been taught and conditioned that there's just a certain moment, you know, where the power of God is. You got to get under the spout where the glory comes out and God just moves here and there. And because of that, there's people that go from meeting to meeting, convention to convention, trying to get God to touch them. I'm telling you, God has already placed on the inside of you the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You don't need somebody else to be doing something for you. Now, other people can help you until you get mature and understand, but I'm, saying, I'm not saying that we ignore or reject people's help, but we should never substitute that. And the body of Christ has substituted these other things that God intended to be just temporary to help you. And, and the body of Christ basically doesn't know how to receive from God. They just have to go to somebody else who's already done it. That's like, you know, you can have a surrogate birth. You can take your husband's sperm and impregnate somebody else and have them carry your child and produce it and then you take the child. It's possible, but that's not the way God intended It's not near as much fun, amen, as <laughs> if you do it the way God intended it. God has enabled you to be able to have children and every one of us has that ability, and if you don't, something's wrong with you, you can get healed of it. It's true, yeah, you can have a surrogate birth, but why? If you understand, it's a lot better to just have your own child. It's a lot better to receive your own healing. What are you gonna do when the evangelist is gone? Well, you're going to send in for this string and for that string and this cloth and that cloth, and you're going to follow them around and you're going to sit there and languish. And I'm telling you, the body of Christ is just living way below their privileges. So look here in Mark chapter four, and I want to teach you how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God is talking about, you know, the kingdom is the realm over which a king rules. Jesus is our king. We were singing that, how great is our God and he's done all these awesome things. How does his kingdom work? Right here in Mark chapter four, there's a bunch of things. I've taught for weeks out of this one chapter. And so I'm just skimming the surface right here, but look in Mark chapter four and in verse 26. And he said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now, I'm gonna expand on this more, but let me first of all just say that when he's talking about seed here, look back in verse 14. This is the previous parable that he had given in this chapter, and it says, the sower sows the Word. This is not really talking about seed and how seed works. It's comparing the Word of God to a seed and using a physical, natural, um, something that people understood to illustrate spiritual truth. He's comparing the Word of God to a physical seed. And this is important, I just want to emphasize this before we go on, that he didn't compare the Word of God to some kind of a social system, a man-made system. Because anything that man has made can be corrupted, it can be defeated, it can be cheated, you can bypass it. For instance, did you know that school is a man-made system? And I bet you every person in here at one time or another didn't pay attention in school, didn't do what you were supposed to, but the night before your test, you crammed for a test. And you got all this information and you stored it in your short-term memory and you passed the test and you graduated, but you didn't learn it. You couldn't go back and tell me those things that you were tested on and supposedly learned because you beat the system, you cheated and you just put it in your short-term memory, you you don't have it. See, that's beating the system, but you can't beat God's system. You can't cram for a harvest. You can't wait before the night before you want to reap your crop and then go sow your seed and just water it and do all the stuff you were supposed to do for the last six months and do it in one night and see the harvest come up. You can't cheat a God system, a system that He put in place. So this is really important that you understand THAT THE KINGDOM OF HEAVEN IS COMPARED TO A SYSTEM THAT GOD PUT IN PLACE THAT HE SAID, AS LONG AS THE EARTH REMAINS, SEED, TIME, AND HARVEST WILL REMAIN. YOU CANNOT BEAT THIS SYSTEM. I LITERALLY KNEW A MAN ONE TIME WHO GOT BORN AGAIN AND WAS SO EXCITED ABOUT THE LORD THAT HE he WAS A RANCHER, A FARMER, AND HE WAITED UNTIL THE WEEK BEFORE WHEAT HARVEST AND HE WENT AND BORROWED $500,000 and, and planted $500,000 worth of wheat. He had 26 sections and he sowed it. A section is 640 acres. And he sowed 26 sections of land in wheat, the wheat before a wheat harvest. And when it didn't come up, he got mad. And he came to me and he says, God failed me. And I said, how do you figure that? And he says, I've been out on the full gospel circuit and I've been testifying and witnessing for him and I didn't have time to plant my wheat. And so I didn't plant it, you know, six months ago, but I planted it one week ago. And this guy lost $500,000 and went bankrupt. The banks came after him because he didn't have a harvest and he was upset at God. You can't cram for a harvest. You can't plant the week before. There is seed, time and harvest. And with God, it's more like seed, time and then harvest, amen. <laughs> and this is how the kingdom works. And again, we live in a society where everybody wants anything, everything instant. You know, my kids, I remember them. They were ordered, you know, we ate out so much as we travel. we go to these fast food places and you place your order at one place and drive up to the next window and get it. You know, one time my window didn't work and I took it in to get fixed. And they said, well, we don't have a part, it's gonna take two weeks. I said, I can't wait two weeks. And they said, you can wait two weeks, be patient. I said, you don't understand everything I eat comes through this window, (laughs) even That's a joke. (laughs) It's really not that bad. But anyway, my kids were used to things being fast food and we went to a place where they actually cooked the food. And they were complaining about how long it took. We just have this fast food, this instant mentality. We want everything done instantly. We want to microwave our miracle. But in the kingdom of God, I tell you that there is a seed, time, and harvest. And if you're impatient, if you came and if you're saying, man, I'm going to receive what I need from God before I leave tonight or else. (laughs) You're setting yourself up for failure. That's not the way we do it. There is seed, time, and harvest. And that's, this is one of the reasons that the Lord compared how the kingdom works and how the Word of God works to a seed because there are some great illustrations here. Let me also say this, that you know that this whole world system that we have operates off of seeds. You are a result of a seed. There isn't any life apart from seeds. All of the plants, all of the animals, Every bit of life on this planet operates off of seeds. That's important, I could spend an hour on that. But we are removed. You know, here in New York City, you think uh, meat and vegetables come from a grocery store. (laughs) They really don't. That may be where you get it, but it was a seed involved in all of these things. And we are so removed from the process today that we sometimes forget this. But if you want to see fruit produced, you have to plant a seed. You have to do certain things to take care of it and you have to give it time. You have to have faith in the system that God created. And then if you do that, there is a miracle in these seeds. You know, I've got a rock on my property that's nearly twice the height of this uh, roof, this ceiling right here. It's a hundred feet tall and uh i go out and sit on top of that rock and it's 150 200 feet above the road that runs in front of my house and i go out and sit there and did you know that this huge boulder it's nearly as big as this room and i sit on this rock but there's a little indention and it got water in there and dirt dust blew into there and i guess a seed many years ago landed in there and it in this little Reese's place, a plant began to grow and a tree grew and it split this huge boulder. This huge boulder that is gigantic, it's hundreds of tons or whatever, has been split by the power that is in a tiny, tiny seed. You couldn't have planted dynamite in that rock and have split it. I don't know what it would have taken to split it, but that little tiny seed split this huge boulder. There is power in a seed, supernatural power, life in a seed. You know, they've taken the seeds out of the Egyptian tombs and these seeds have been laying dormant for 4,000 years and they've taken them and put them in the ground, giving them the proper moisture and the proper temperature and these 4,000 year old seeds sprout and grow and produce things. That's miraculous. You could take all of mankind and all of our pooled resources, money, technology, everything. You could pull all of the nations of the world and they could create something that looks like a seed. It might even taste like a seed. It might have the same weight, same color. It might have the same chemicals but if you take a man-made seed and plant it in the ground, it'll never grow. There is a miracle in every seed. I tell you, people that think that we just evolved and stuff, they're missing out on the beauty of what God has done. Man, one blade of grass disproves evolution. If seven billion people's pooled resources couldn't produce one blade of grass that could produce another blade of grass and you couldn't do it on purpose with all of our intent and intellect, then I can guarantee you it can't happen accidentally. That's just amazing. Anyway, I could preach on that for a while. But the power that's in the seed, there's a reason why God compared the Word to a seed because this is miraculous and most people don't think about this. They don't understand how miraculous the Word of God is. They just read this like a book. Man, this is a miracle book. This is not like any other book. These are powerful words in here. And as I said at the very beginning, Psalms 107:20, God sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all of their destructions. In Proverbs chapter 4, it says that God's Word is health unto all of your flesh and life unto those that find it. This is healing. This is deliverance. This is prosperity. Whatever you need, take the seeds from here and plant it in your heart. And if you meditate on it, don't pull it up every day, uproot it. If you let it stay there, if you abide in the word and let the word abide in you, it will supernaturally split. Whatever has uh, hardened your heart, whatever has stopped you from receiving, it'll bring forth miraculous supernatural results. If that's so, which it is, why is it that people don't know the word more? Why is it that people don't just study the Word and keep their nose in it day and night like the Lord promised us over in Joshua chapter one. He told Joshua, he says, you meditate in this book of the law day and night that you observe to do according to all that is written therein for then, then when? Then when you have meditated in it day and night, then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. There's people in this room right now now that you need to be prosperous. You need to have success. And you're praying and you're begging God and you came here hoping that God's gonna do something, but you've got these miracle seeds right in your hand and you don't plant them in your heart. That's wrong. That's the reason it's not working. I'm telling you, everything you need is in the promises of this book. It says over in 2 Peter chapter one, verse two, grace and peace is multiplied unto you through the knowledge of Him that has called you to glory and virtue. Grace and peace, how many people pray for peace? Oh God, I'm just stressed out. I'm worried, oh, please give me your peace. Grace and peace doesn't come by prayer. It comes by the knowledge. It says in Isaiah 26, three, the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusted in him. If you don't have perfect peace, it's because your mind isn't stayed on God. And somebody says, oh no, you don't know what happened. This happened, see, that's the problem. You're looking at your problem instead of at the promise. God has a promise that will counteract and overcome any problem that you've got in your life. And if your mind was stayed upon the Lord, you can have perfect peace in the midst of any and every situation. Peace doesn't come by just praying, it's according to the knowledge. If you don't have peace, you've got the wrong knowledge. You're thinking on the wrong things. And then 2 Peter chapter one, verse three says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things. In the Greek, that means all things. (laughs) He gave unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through THE KNOWLEDGE OF HIM THAT HAS CALLED US TO GLORY AND VIRTUE. AND THEN VERSE 4 SAYS, WHEREBY ARE giving UNTO US EXCEEDING GREAT AND PRECIOUS PROMISES, THAT BY THESE WE MIGHT BECOME PARTAKERS OF THE DIVINE NATURE, HAVING ESCAPED THE CORRUPTION THAT IS IN THE WORLD THROUGH LUST. THESE PROMISES CAME THROUGH THE KNOWLEDGE OF GOD. THE WORD OF GOD IS THE KNOWLEDGE OF GOD. EVERYTHING THAT YOU NEED, THAT INCLUDES HEALING, PROSPERITY, DELIVERANCE, DIRECTION, JOY, PEACE, anything that you need comes through the knowledge of Him. And the Word of God is where we get our knowledge of Him. The Word of God is a seed. So I spent longer on that than I wanted to, but I didn't spend as long on it as I could have. That is an awesome truth. Verse 26, Mark 4, 26. So the kingdom of God is as if a man should cast seed into the ground. This is talking about the Word of God. AND SHOULD SLEEP AND RISE NIGHT AND DAY, AND THE SEED SHOULD SPRING AND GROW UP, HE KNOWETH NOT HOW. THE SEED IS THE WORD OF GOD. THE GROUND IS YOUR HEART, NOT YOUR HEAD. IT'S YOUR HEART. YOU have GOT TO GET THE SEED OUT OF YOUR HEAD AND INTO YOUR HEART. YOU GOT TO GET THE SEED BELOW THE SURFACE. THAT'S WHAT THE PREVIOUS uh, PARABLE ABOUT THE SOWER SOWING THE SEED WAS ABOUT. THEY JUST THREW IT ON THE GROUND and the fowls of the air came and ate it up. You got to get it below the surface or Satan just steals this truth from you. And anyway, I could teach on this for an hour, but the scripture in Ephesians chapter four, verse 18, talks about your understanding being the key to your heart. You've got to understand the word. When you start to understand it is when you swallow it and get it down into your heart. You get it beyond your head. AND INTO YOUR HEART. SO WHEN YOU BEGIN TO UNDERSTAND THE WORD IS WHEN IT GETS DOWN ON THE INSIDE OF YOU. YOU HAVE TO PUT THE SEED IN THE GROUND. AND THEN IT SAYS THAT HE JUST SLEEPS AND RISES NIGHT AND DAY, AND THE SEED SHOULD SPRING AND GROW UP, HE KNOWETH NOT HOW. BOY, THIS IS SO POWERFUL. THIS IS AWESOME. YOU KNOW WHAT, YOU DON'T HAVE TO UNDERSTAND EVERYTHING. A PERSON WHO FARMS, They can't understand all of this. Again, you can take the cumulative knowledge of the world, and they don't understand what makes a seed split a huge boulder. Take a 4,000-year-old seed, and it still grows. Nobody understands it, but that doesn't keep us from using it. We've understood that you plant the seed in the ground and give it time and the right moisture and stuff, and it will work, and we can cooperate with it. You don't have to understand it totally. And you don't have to completely understand the Word. If you just got hold of this truth that I'm sharing with you, and if you really understood that everything you need for life and godliness is in here. Everything you need. Everything you need. There is nothing you don't need. This man I was talking about, Dean Rathke, that took the limited and made it the world's largest retailer did it based on what was written in the Bible. He teaches it straight out of the Bible, and it's the principles in the Bible. The Bible, the Scripture promises here will cause your business to prosper. It'll cause you to excel. I know some of you don't believe that. This is not the attitude of our world today. We believe that religion is just for the church, and for certain things, but in the world, you got to do all this other stuff. I guarantee you the Word of God will teach you how to prosper in the world. It'll make you prosperous. It'll give you success. It'll give you favor. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you and the Word of God is good for every single thing. And But you got to just, you got to believe in the power of the Word. It says in Hebrews chapter four, verse two, it says the Word preached unto them did not profit them NOT BEING MIXED WITH FAITH IN THEM THAT HEARD IT. FAITH IS THE INGREDIENT THAT RELEASES THIS POWER OF THE WORD OF GOD. IF YOU DON'T BELIEVE IT, IT WON'T WORK FOR YOU. GOD HAS GIVEN US THIS KEY TO THE KINGDOM. HE'S GIVEN US HIS WORD, BUT WE HAVE TO MIX IT WITH FAITH. AND NOTICE, THEY CAST IT INTO THE GROUND, AND THEY JUST SLEPT AND ROSE NIGHT AND DAY, AND THEY DIDN'T GO UP IN THE MORNING AND DIG IT UP AND LOOK TO SEE IF SOMETHING WAS WORKING. If you plant a seed and then dig it up every day to see if it's growing and then replant it. And if you do that every day, it'll never germinate. This involves faith. You've got to by faith believe that the Word of God is powerful and that the Word of God will work and that the Word of God will equip you unto all good things. Everything that pertains unto life and godliness comes through the knowledge of Him. You've got to believe that. And then you got to start taking these seeds the promises of the Word of God and getting them past your understanding and down into your heart and you gotta leave them there. You can't just do it on Sunday and then on Monday, unplug and say, well, that was my religious day and now I'm back here and I'm in reality and we're gonna stab each other in the back and I'm not gonna trust God for promotion and I'll lie and I'll misrepresent my product if I have to and I'll treat people mean because that's the way that business is and this is how it works in the real world. You've just dug up your seed. You have to get to where you believe these things and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, you live the same thing. You let it stay. It takes time. You have to put it in the ground and you can't pull it up. You can't be double-minded. Over in James chapter one, it says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. James 1, 5, who giveth all man liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That's just saying, if you believe it one day and don't believe it the next day, you just dug your seed up and it will not produce. You've got to believe it. You gotta keep it in your heart. YOU GOT TO GET TO WHERE IT DOMINATES YOU IN EVERYTHING. IT'S AMAZING TO ME THE WAY PEOPLE DEPARTMENTALIZE THEIR LIFE AND THEY HAVE A SECTION OF THEIR LIFE THAT THIS IS THEIR RELIGIOUS LIFE. AND AT CHURCH, OH, IT'S ALL SMILE AND OH, GOD BLESS YOU AND EVERYTHING'S FINE. AND THEN YOU GET ON THE SUBWAY AND YOU TREAT PEOPLE AND PUSH YOUR WAY IN AND YOU YELL AT PEOPLE AND DO STUFF. I love you, God loves you, but I'm just telling you, you're a a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Boy, at church, you're just so sweet and then somebody cuts you off in traffic and you wave at them with one finger. You're a hypocrite. God loves you. I love you, but I'm telling you that is not keeping the Word of God working in your life. And some of you think, well, that doesn't match. See, you're the one that believes there's a spiritual part of your life, but then here's this carnal part, and you just take care of yourself. I had a secretary one time that I was walking by, and she was talking to somebody on the phone, and she was crying. And so when she hung up, I said, who is that? And it was a guy that I knew, it was a friend of mine, and he was making a reservation for something we were doing, and he just reamed this woman out, and she was sitting there crying. So since I knew him, I called him back. And I said, hey, what are you doing? Awesome. My secretary is sitting here crying. And he said, well, I didn't mean anything. I said, well, you said that. And he said, well, yeah, but you know, this is business. It's the squeaky wheel that gets the oil. I was just trying to let her know that I want this treatment. And I said, you can say whatever you want to. You're carnal. Nice. I said, that's not a godly way. I said, you don't. If if you buy something at a store and you go in and treat them like... They're trash because they didn't give you the right service. Something's wrong with you. I just got an email today from a lady that was at our summer family Bible conference and, and uh, I ordained her into the ministry and then we, my wife and I took her and her husband out to eat. And this woman sent me an email thanking me and she says, you know what? Being with you was better than any sermon I've ever heard you preach. She says, you went around and you introduced me to the lady that cleans the floor and you called her by name and you talked to her and when we went out to eat, you treated the waitress like she was a friend and were nice to her. And he said, she said, I was just out with a pastor who was so rude that I went back and apologized to the waitress. And I'm telling you, that's that, wrong. And I'm not mad at you. God's not mad at you. I'm trying to let you see why you aren't seeing fruit because you'll plant the word and you'll be sweet during your prayer time. But then on the freeways, boy, you are as mean as a snake. (laughs) You don't know why people do what they do. You just assume and you get mad and you think you're the center of the universe and this person cuts you off just because they hate you. You don't know why they were thinking what they were thinking. Maybe their blinker was broken. <laughs> you know, my, my taillight on my Jeep just went out last week and I had to go get it fixed. And on the way to go get it fixed, there was so many times I changed lanes without a turn signal and I was sitting there telling people, I'm sorry, I, I don't, it doesn't work. I wanted to use it, but I didn't have it. And I, some of them probably were letting me have it about this guy just changed lanes and didn't give a signal. You don't know why people do what they do. I'm telling you, you need to be gracious towards people. You need to take the word of God and live it 24 hours a day. It'll work in any situation, every situation. And if you don't, if you have your religious side, your 15 minutes of devotion and then 16 hours worth of being carnal the rest of the day, the word of God is not gonna produce in your life. You have to plant it in the ground and just sleep and rise night and day and let the earth bring forth fruit of itself. If you keep your heart, the the ground is symbolic of your heart. If you keep your heart focused on God, this is huge what I'm saying. I wish to had more time to explain it. But if you keep your heart focused on God, it will just automatically, effortlessly change you. I've got an entire series entitled Effortless Change. It is a powerful teaching. If you don't have it, you ought to get it. But it will change you effortlessly. You know, when you plant an apple seed in the ground, all you got to do is just put it there, make sure it's good ground, make sure it has water, take care of it. And that seed just, it has a miracle in it. It will produce on its own. You've never seen an apple tree just moan and shake and uh, and then let out this huge scream, uh, and here's an apple. <laughs> it's just the nature of that seed to produce an apple. And if you don't mess with it, if you don't dig it up, if you don't starve it, if you just give it what it needs, it will just effortlessly produce apples. The word of God will effortlessly change you. And some people are thinking, yeah, but it'd take a year or two or whatever. And well, let me ask you, if you don't take the Word of God and put it in your heart and you just continue to do things the way you're doing it, how's that been working for you? If you don't spend the next two years getting the Word of God in your life, what are you gonna spend the next two years doing? Just continuing to live the way that you have? You can't get there any quicker than to start right now and just commit your life to it. And if you do it over and over, it just brings forth fruit of itself. It's the nature of the ground to produce what that seed needs and to accommodate it. And here's something else about your heart your heart doesn't know what seeds you're planting, your heart doesn't just make the Word of God's seeds grow it'll make whatever seeds you plant in it grow. If you look at pornography, if you look at stuff that produces homosexuality, lust, adultery, hatred, anger, killing, all of the stuff that's just rampant on TV and movies and books today. Did you know what, you plant those seeds in your heart, your heart will make it grow. You'll start lusting for it. Your heart just makes whatever you plant in it grow. And if you focus on the junk of this world, the junk of this world will grow on the inside of you. Man, again, you need to get that series that I've gotten titled Hardness of Heart. We don't realize how hard-hearted we are towards the things of God. We don't realize how conditioned towards this world we've been. It's amazing. Anyway, I could preach on that for a long... I'm really wanting to go somewhere else, but this is good. In verse 28, it says, "'For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, "'after that the full corn in the ear.'" Here's another great truth about how the kingdom of God works, about how the Word of God works in your life, and that is that when you plant it, you don't get the full manifestation of what you want immediately, there's steps. Just like when you plant a seed, there is first a uh, blade and then the ear and then the full corn in the ear there's steps to growth there's stages to growth this has been one of the greatest things that God has taught me because you know like right now we're in the process of building a new Bible college campus we have taken huge steps and we just finished a 32 million dollars we're entering into a 35 million dollar building program and that's on top of all of the other money I've got to have just to make my ministry work It takes us $2 million just to pay our television airtime and things like this and keep it going. And on top of that, we've done these other things. And people see that and they think, well, praise God, I'm gonna take the Word of God and plant it and I'm gonna see this. But you know what, it's been 46 years for me and I didn't see that kind of prosperity at first. I had to start and it was a miracle for me to get my rent done. And then I had to believe beyond myself and have to start believing for a ministry. And we rented a little tiny place and had one employee. Now we got 300 employees and it just grows, but we've taken steps. We didn't get there all at once. You don't go from zero to a thousand all at once. That's not acceleration, that's a wreck. You go from zero to a thousand miles an hour all at once and you're dead. You guys take steps, you start off and you accelerate as you go along. And there's people that they come and hear somebody minister and they hear people give a testimony about what God's done for them. And so they just want to go out and instantly reproduce it because after all, it's God. And so you're just believing for a miracle. But the kingdom of God operates off of this principle of first a blade, then a ear, then a full corn in the ear. We had a man in our Bible college in the beginning who had been in a mental institution for 40 years. And he came out and got a government grant to come to our Bible college. And I really liked this guy. He was a sweet guy. He was a nice guy. He wasn't all there, but uh, he, he had a good heart. And I just took it on myself that I was going to train this guy. And I went, started going through the book of Proverbs and teaching him how to relate to God and how to relate to people, teaching him how to social skills that he'd never learned in this mental institution. And I was ministering to this guy and I was teaching him about prosperity and I was trying to get him to believe big. And anyway, he came to me one day and he had a whole uh, proposal that he had put together and there was this building in Manitou Springs, Colorado that was an old hotel built in the 1800s. It was stone, but it had burnt and it had been derelict for, I don't know, a decade or two. He found out how much they were selling it for, how much it would cost to fix it up, and then there was like 110 rooms in this whole thing, and he figured out if he could rent those out to Bible college students for so much, he could have this much coming in. It would cover his payments and do all of this, and he had it worked out and had a whole proposal, and he was going to buy this thing for one and a half million, spend three and a half million on it, and have a five million dollar investment and make this thing work. And on paper, it all balanced out. It would have worked. And he came and presented that to me. And he says, so what do you think? I said, I can guarantee you this is not God. And it's just like I popped his balloon. He was totally deflated. He says, how could you say that? And I said, I said, you have never worked a job in your life. You've never made 10 cents. You have never earned a dollar. I said, you go out and get a job and you start paying your rent and you start buying your own food instead of living off of the government and you start taking baby steps and you do this and then you take the next step and then you come to me years down the road with this and I'll say, go for it. But I can guarantee you God never leads you from never having done anything into fruitfulness all at once. There's first the blade, then the ear and then the full corn in the ear. And I know that there's some people saying, well, boy, you discouraged him. I just gave him a dose of reality, how the kingdom works. (laughs) And there are some of you that you're just believing God for these supernatural, awesome things to happen. And you're frustrated and can't understand why it's not happening. Because you've never believed God for a small thing. And yet you're gonna believe God for this big thing. Over in Luke chapter 16, it says, if you can't do that which is least, you can't do that which is greatest. If I can't jump from here to the front row, you ought to put money on the fact I can't jump from here to the back <laughs> row. If I can't do that, which is least, I certainly can't do that, which is greatest. And yet there's people that if, there was a guy that came to me and wanted to start a, a center for the youth in Colorado Springs. And he had it all mapped out. He found a building, an old Kmart building that was abandoned. He was gonna buy it for $2 million, fix it up for $1 million. And he showed me the statistics that there was nothing for the youth, how many youth were going into drugs, all of these things. And everything he said was good. But after he showed me all this, I said, so have you ever worked with youth? He said, no. I said, have you ever taught a Sunday school class? No. Have you ever helped out in the youth department? No. Have you ever done a Bible study? Have you ever ministered one-on-one? No, he had never done anything. And I told him, I said, this isn't God. YOU DON'T GO FROM NEVER HAVING DONE SOMETHING INTO THIS FULL GROWN THING ALL AT ONCE. THIS IS HOW THE KINGDOM WORKS. IF YOU WOULD OPEN UP YOUR HEART, GOD IS SPEAKING TO MANY OF YOU THIS EXACT MOMENT THROUGH ME. YOU HAVE GOALS AND YOU'RE FRUSTRATED. GOD, WHY ISN'T IT HAPPENING? IT'S BECAUSE YOU HAVEN'T PUT IT IN BITE-SIZED PIECES. YOU HAVEN'T STARTED DOING IT. YOU KNOW HOW YOU EAT AN ELEPHANT? ONE BITE AT A TIME, AMEN. (laughs) You can't eat the whole thing all at once. You'll choke on it. You know how you accomplish great things? One step at a time. Our Bible college students come in and they see us having tens of millions of dollars and buying things. And they just say, well, if Andrew can do it, if God could use Andrew, God could use anybody. And they just go out and they start believing for things. But you don't know the decades that I spent growing and seeing little steps and and seeing my faith grow and people just sit there and want immediately to be where I am and they don't want to cover the ground that I've covered. That's not how the kingdom works. There are many of you that just want to come down here and have me wave my hand over you and get everything that it's taken me 46 years to get. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I know that this is what you're thinking I'm telling you, this is great wisdom I'm sharing with you. If you were to believe this and embrace it, man, this would change your life. Did you know before we started seeing this huge increase in finances, my wife and I, we were seeing people raised from the dead. We saw miracles happen. We were seeing some things, but in the area of finances, I struggled for a long period of time, long period of time. I had creditors after me. I was evicted. Uh, I just struggled. And I was giving tapes away, things like this. We've given away over 20 million CDs, DVDs, books. I was giving, 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 giving. I I knew the principles of the Word of God, but I was still struggling. And I took the exact principles that I'm teaching you, and back in about 1993... I decided if the growth God has shown me is true, I've got to have more money. At that time, I was getting like $20,000 a month after decades of being in the ministry. And I said, I'm going to have to increase. And so I took these principles and I just took scriptures on prosperity. And this is back before I had computers and I wrote them out on a legal pad And I just began to start meditating on these scriptures where God promised about how He'd meet all of our needs, how we'd have abundance and all of these things. We'd abound unto every good work. And I just took these scriptures and I began to meditate on them. You know what I did? I planted the seed and I gave it time. And it was about a year or two. And if you would have come to me and have said, so what difference has it made? There wasn't any outward difference. But on the inside, I was getting revelation. The Word of God was burning on the inside of me. An anticipation was growing. A hope was growing. And I was beginning to see myself prosperous. And I just meditated on it. And finally, I had this one man who, it's a long story, but I've been going to his church for 26 years in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he saw prosperity in a realm that I hadn't seen. And not only with himself, but he had... Uh, most of his church, over half of his church were people that were came out of the prisons. He used to be a cop and people came out of the prisons and were given to him as a ward of the courts and they had to obey him or go back to prison. And he would take these people who were destitute and had nothing and he would teach them. And this one guy, Terrence, that I remember in particular, I was there the day he got out of jail and came to Pastor Dean and Pastor Dean, had his, uh, he wore fatigues all the time and he kept people's wallets in his fatigues, in all of these pockets because they didn't know how to manage their money. And so they would have to come to him and he would dole their money out and teach them how to be responsible with money. So Terrence came to him the the day after he got out of prison and he said, Pastor Dean, can I have some money? He says, what do you need money for? He says, I want to get something to eat. I hadn't eaten all day. It was lunch. And Pastor Dean says, well, did you get up and pray and study the Word this morning? He says, well, I was at church late last night, you know, cleaning up, and I woke up as the alarm went off and I had to go to work, and he said, I just hadn't had time. And he says, if you don't have time to uh, study the Word, you don't have time to eat. And he wouldn't give him any money. (laughs) And I know some of you thought, well, I don't agree with that. The next year when I came back, Terrence was making $10,000 a month because he'd been taught the Word of God and how to steward it, and the guy is a millionaire. And I saw this over and over and over. I mean, not one person. I saw dozens of people, and I said, I'm going to learn what this man has to say. So he, I invited him to speak in our Bible college. I sat down with a legal pad. I was going to take notes. I listened to him two hours for two days, four hours total. I never took a note. He never said one thing that I hadn't already read. I knew it but you know what? I didn't believe it the way he did. And all of a sudden, the penny dropped. All of a sudden, all these things that I'd been meditating on dropped into my heart. And I mean, boom, like that. Things changed. And I began to see our ministry increase and things began to change. And you know how I did it? I took the seed on prosperity and planted it in my heart. It took me two years That I begin to see results. There's a bamboo that I've been told about that you can plant this bamboo and for the first four years, all it gets is a leaf above ground. For four years and then, or three years, and then in the fourth year, that thing grows 18 feet in six months. I figured out that that means it was growing about a quarter of an inch a day you could nearly watch it grow. And some people look at that and think, man, isn't that fantastic? 18 feet in six months. No, it was four years in six months. It was all of the roots. It was all of the time that that seed was germinating and doing these things. But see people, they just want the stuff that's above ground. They don't know what's going on below ground. You need to take the word and put it in your heart. And I tell you, now I minister, we have 3.2 billion people who can watch my program. That's the potential, not all of those watch, but we have millions of people that watch my program. We're touching lots of people's lives, but you don't know how many years, man, I took the Word and I meditated in it and I had just the little blade and then the ear and then the full corn in the ear. And, the and, the ear. and we're, we're seeing fruit now and people just think, well, it'll work for me. Well, it will if you'll be willing to let the Word begin to work. If you'll let your roots spread down, People used to stay away from my meetings by the thousands, amen. I've been to places, matter of fact, Daniel did our praise and worship. We went to Atlanta, I don't even remember when that was, in 81 or 82. And I, we rented a place that was nearly this big and had 11 people show. And I preached to them just like there was a thousand, amen. 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 And you know what? You've got to just be patient and sow the word. Anyway, I need to get on... Here's my main point. All of this is introduction. If you receive all of this, Jesus taught 13 parables in one day. That's what this is recorded. You have to put Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's accounts together to get that. But he taught 13 parables in one day and every one of them was on the seed being how the kingdom works. The kingdom of God operates off of the word being a seed. THE SAME WAY THAT THIS PHYSICAL WORLD OPERATES OFF OF A PHYSICAL SEED BEING THE SOURCE OF ALL LIFE. HE TAUGHT THAT 13 DIFFERENT TIMES IN ONE DAY TO HIS DISCIPLES. AND THEN DOWN HERE IN VERSE 35, IT SAYS, AND THE SAME DAY, THE SAME DAY AS WHAT? THE SAME DAY AS HIM TEACHING THEM 13 DIFFERENT TIMES, HOW THE KINGDOM WORKS OFF OF A SEED It's the seed, you got to plant the seed, it's the Word. That same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full and he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow and they awake him and say unto him master carest thou not that we perish more this is rich again there is so much i pray that you would take these seeds i'm just going through this real quickly take these things meditate on them. go home tonight and meditate on these things think about it and god'll show you a lot more than what i'm saying there's a lot more here than what i'm saying but they They went out and this storm came against them and Jesus was asleep. And they said, they woke him up and said, Master, don't you care that we perish? Did you know this is exactly what people are doing today? There's people that came up to me tonight that basically said the same thing. Why aren't I healed? Why hadn't God done something? Why doesn't he love me? What's going wrong? What's going on? And they act like it's God who's not giving. This is what they were doing. They were saying, Jesus, wake up. You got to remember that this wasn't the kind of boat, you know, where you have cabins down below deck and he wasn't dry somewhere laying on a pillow. He was, it was an open boat and the waves, it says filled the ship. He was out in the rain. He was drenched, he was soaking wet. Either one, one of two things, either he was supernaturally asleep, which is a possibility, or I believe probably he knew exactly what was going on. He knew that they were in trouble. He was wet, he was sloshing around, floating in the water and yet he wasn't doing anything. He was laying down, they were fighting for their lives and they woke him up and they handed him a bucket, bail, here's an oar, row, do something. How come you aren't pulling your weight? You know what, that's basically what people do today. Why hadn't God healed me? How come God hadn't done that? I've prayed, I've done this and this and this and God hadn't done anything. What is it gonna take to make God move? You know what's wrong with that thinking? It wasn't Jesus' turn to do anything. He had just taught them about how the kingdom of God operates off of a seed, the Word. And in verse 35, He gave them a seed. This was like He'd been teaching them all day how the kingdom operates now. Here's a pop quiz. Guys, did you get anything out of this? Let's go to the other side. He didn't say, let's go halfway and drown. He said, let's go to the other side. This is the creator, the one who said, let there be light boom, there was light. The sun was created out of his words. His words created the sun. I was outside the other day, just feeling the heat of the sun and it was hot. And I was thinking that came out of your mouth. And it's millions of miles away, and here I am feeling the heat from that sun. And out of that same mouth that created the sun, that created the storm, that created the the wind and the waves and everything, the same one who created all of that said, let's go to the other side. You know what? He gave them a seed, and it was their responsibility to act on the seed and make it come to pass. It wasn't his responsibility. And see, this is what I'm trying to get at. We are all coming and oh God, heal me. God has provided healing already through the Lord Jesus. By His stripes you were healed. He's written it down. He's given us seed after seed after seed that produces healing. It's all in here. The Word of God is health to all of your flesh. He'll send His Word and deliver you and heal you. It's all in here. He's given us these seeds and yet we're ignoring the seeds and we're going and saying, you do something. It's not God's turn. He has done his part. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. I'm gonna, I hadn't got time to explain this, but Jesus isn't healing people today. He's already healed them and he's given us this power. He's put this power on the inside of us. It's not up to God whether you get healed. It's up to you. It's up to you. Are you gonna take this seed and plant it in your heart and let this supernatural power that God's placed on the inside of you grow? or Are you gonna continue to just come and beg God as if you're nothing and nobody? Most people come to me so pathetic, like, oh, I can do nothing. Here's the doctor's report, I'm dying. See what the doctor says? They believe the doctor's report 100%, but I can tell them what the Word of God's report is. Oh, I know that, I've quoted that. But. And people come to me so apologetic and I've tried everything, nothing will work. Would you please do something? And they want me to agree with them. If I agree with you, you're gonna die because your opinion's wrong. You are seeing yourself as nothing. Cancer is a big thing. I had a woman that had cancer of the bone tonight and she came and I was praying with her and I just encouraged her. I said, that is nothing. Cancer is nothing. We've seen so many thousands of people healed of cancer. Cancer isn't even worth giving any credit to. Cancer is powerless. It doesn't take any more power to heal cancer than it takes to heal a cold. You know what the difference in cancer is? Your fear. You have fear about cancer that you don't have about a cold, and that's what you're fighting. You're fighting your fear and your unbelief. But cancer's not a big deal. It's no big deal. And I just started encouraging her. You ought to hate this stuff. Quit feeling like you are powerless. You ought to feel sorry for cancer that it had touched you, because man, it has minutes match. That's what the Word of God says. But the truth is most of us spend more time watching as the stomach turns on the television and (laughs) listening to all of that and listening to the bad news. And we don't, you may know, you may be able to quote a scripture, but it's not the focus of your heart. Your heart's hardened towards it. It's not dominating you and it's not releasing its power. Man, you got to get into the Word of God and you got to get to where the Word of God's more real to you than I don't care what a doctor says, what the banker says, what the lawyer says, what your mate says, what your boss says, what the news says. You need to get to where the Word of God dominates you. And if you do that, if you're focused on it, the Word of God will release this supernatural power. (laughs) So the disciples said, God, don't you care? They thought it was his fault that they were in this problem. It wasn't his fault. He had already given them the solution to the problem before they even had the problem. And he got up, and you know, instead of saying, oh guys, I'm sorry, I was asleep. It's my fault. This is beyond your pay grade. Don't feel bad, you're okay. I'll take care of it. See, that's the way everything is today. We want, don't make anybody feel bad because you're struggling. There's people that get mad at me every time I minister like this because, boy, you aren't very compassionate. You're hard. You tell people to pull their thumb out of their mouth and grow up. You say things like, how dumb can you get and still breathe? And they get mad at me. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing it because I love you. I'm trying to help you. And it doesn't help you when you're sitting there sick for me to come down and cry. And, you know, I had a minister's conference one time and there was this couple there that they were just crying, they were so broken hearted. They were just miserable. They were going around and they were wearing their emotions on their sleeve. They were hurting and they were just in pain and they were making everybody around them miserable. And they came up for prayer. And this guy who was a guest speaker at my minister's conference, he had tried to talk to them and they weren't receiving it. So he just went over to them and he says, thus saith the Lord, I know how you feel. And he says, if I wasn't God, I'd be discouraged too. I thought that was awesome. I thought that was great. And immediately they, you know, like they knew that he was mocking them and making fun of them because God doesn't get discouraged, but that's what they wanted. They wanted somebody to just get down and cry with them. It really is bad. It's really bad. Sometimes what you need is somebody to say, hey, pull your thumb out of your mouth, praise God. You got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Start speaking in tongues, build yourself up on your most holy faith. Encourage yourself in the Lord, but everybody, you know, sometimes you don't need a hug. Sometimes you just need somebody to say, bend over and let me give you a good swift kick in the rear. Straighten up. But in our touchy feely world, we oh, you gotta make everybody feel fine. Man, they came to Jesus and they said, don't you know that Herod was offended? And he says, go tell that old fox. (laughs) He didn't change. He didn't apologize. He told him, he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. John chapter six. They said, he's speaking of cannibalism. They totally misunderstood him today. Preachers would fall all over themselves saying, oh, no, 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 let me explain. We want to make sure that nobody's offended. Let's not say anything that would rub anybody the wrong way. Jesus turned around and he says, I'm telling you, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're dead. He didn't apologize. He made it worse. I'm telling you the truth because I love you. You know, this is, I've got a series on television. It's either this week or next week. I'll be talking about homosexuality. And did you know that every time I do that, partners that have been partners with me for years quit being partners because they say you shouldn't, you've you quit preaching scripture and now you're meddling and you're doing this and that. And they say you're hateful and, and the homosexuals will always come out and accuse you of hate speech. I'm telling you, I'm saying these things because I love people. Homosexuality is a destructive lifestyle. Did you know it is a statistical fact from the gay and lesbian homosexual website that the average homosexual dies 21 years earlier than a heterosexual couple. We put a warning label on cigarettes because it averages taking seven years off of your life. And we say this could be hazardous to your health. If we weren't prejudiced, If we weren't afraid of political correctness, if we didn't have the fear of man, we would tell homosexuals that this is three times worse than smoking. And because I love you, I'm telling you that this is a destructive lifestyle. It hurts you. That's love. But people say, oh, you aren't operating in love. I am operating in love. You know, we had a deal where I was driving up a mountain road. I live in the mountains, 9,000 feet elevation. And I was going around a curve. It was a night and it was raining and it was foggy. And I came around a corner and this car passed me going 60 miles an hour. And I mean, just right after he got in front of me, I saw his brake lights come on and then his car just jerked to the right. And I knew he had hit something. So I slammed on my brakes. I came to stop right next to him and he had hit a horse that was standing in the road and this horse had caved in that side and he was hurting. And as I sat there next to him, another, a suburban came around the corner at 60 miles an hour and that horse was laying in the road and this suburban hit that horse at 60 miles an hour. And it propelled that suburban about 10 or 15 feet in the air and 20 or 30 feet and the lady, her head went up and knocked a hole in the, not a hole, but it, it bubbled up the roof And anyway, cars were just coming. And you know what? It was on a curve. People couldn't see it. And so what I did, I got out of my car and I started running down the highway around the curve. And it was dark. It was late at night. There was clouds. It was raining. And so there was no sun, uh, moonlight. And I started jumping out in front of cars. And man, cars were putting on their brakes and sliding sideways. People stopped, they yelled, they backed up, yelled at me, they cussed me. They said terrible things at me. But when they got around the corner and saw the wreck, then they realized why I'd done what I'd done. And you know what? People called me that, what's wrong with you? You're crazy. And they were saying things to me that you shouldn't have said to any person. But you know why I did it? Because I loved them. And it wouldn't have been love to let them go around and say, you know what? This could be a, a single woman driving on the road, and to see a man jump out in front of her car, she might think I'm wanting to accost her. She might be offended. I might offend her. I better not do anything lest I offend her, so I just let her go around the corner and die. That's what people are doing today. They're afraid to tell the truth because it's not politically correct, because somebody's going <laughs> to brand you a homophobe. If you know the truth, and if you know that homosexuality is destructive and it's not the way God made us to be, and if you don't speak the truth, you're the homophobe. You're afraid of homosexuality. You're afraid to speak the truth. I love homosexuality. I've got people that I know, I've got some people on staff that have struggled with homosexuality, and I haven't fired them. I love them and I deal with them. And I told them, I said, you're fine as long as you control yourself, amen. I'm not against people, but I'm I'm gonna tell you the truth. I forgot exactly why I got off. Oh, I was got off. I got off on that by saying that, you know what? You just need, you don't need somebody to come just give you a hug. You need somebody to tell you the truth. And the truth is it's not God who's failed you. It's us that haven't taken the word that he's given us and we haven't acted on it. Jesus got up and look at this down here in Mark chapter four, he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Most of us would think, why am I so fearful? We were drowning, our boat was full, (laughs) amen. And you're saying, you know, instead of him just saying, I'm sorry guys, it's my fault, I understand. He was saying, I taught you how the kingdom works. I gave you a seed, the seed that created the heavens and the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, all of these things, I, I released this powerful word out of my mouth, go to the other side. It had enough power in it for them to overcome. And he was not pleased at their inability to use it. He didn't sit there and say, guys, I'm sorry, it's my fault. No, he told him, he says, what's wrong with you? I taught you all day long. I spent all day long teaching you and I give you a pop quiz and you fail. How is it that you have no faith? It's not the pressures of this world that's a problem. It's the vacuum that's on the inside that causes us to collapse. I'M TELLING YOU, BROTHERS AND SISTERS, IF YOU WOULD FILL YOURSELF WITH THE WORD OF GOD, IF YOU WOULD UNDERSTAND HOW POWERFUL THE WORD IS AND BEGIN TO USE IT, YOU COULD STILL THE STORM. YOU COULD SAY, GOD TOLD ME, I'M GOING TO THE OTHER SIDE. AND I WILL GET THERE. AND YOU COULD COMMAND THESE MOUNTAINS TO GET OUT OF YOUR WAY. MARK CHAPTER 11, HE SAID, WHOSOEVER WILL SAY UNTO THIS MOUNTAIN, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith will come to pass. He he shall have whatsoever he saith. He said, whosoever will say to the mountain. Most people are talking to God about their mountain. Oh God, I got this mountain in my way. I've got sickness. The doctor said this. I've got this financial problem. I've got these things. And we tell God about our mountain. God told you to talk to your mountain. That's implying that you understand God has given you the power. He told you that you're a world overcomer. He said that whatever you set your hand unto will be blessed. He's given you these problems and promises and if you understand it, then when a mountain gets in your way, talk to your mountain in the name of the Lord and command it to get out of the way. Don't ask God to cast the mountain out of your way. Don't say, oh God, please heal me. God's already healed you. He put the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead on the inside of you. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter one, verse 18 and 19, many, many other places. The works that I did shall you do also is what Jesus said and even greater works. This is inside of every one of you. Instead of coming here and acting like I'm nothing, I have nothing, I can do nothing. Would you please pray for me? You ought to come standing like a king or a queen, saying this is unfair, the devil is fighting me and I'm standing against it, would you agree with me? That's when you see miracles happen. That's when you see the power, but when people come and I am nothing and I have nothing and I can do nothing, see if you can do something, that's when nothing happens. You started from a place of unbelief. Some people are thinking, well, Jesus said, John 15, four, without me, you can do nothing. I agree with that 100%. But what I disagree with is that I'm never without him. He said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. (laughs) If I'm standing just in my own self, I am not worth anything, but I am not standing in myself. I'm born again and God lives on the inside of me and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I will do what God called me to do. I will see it succeed. We will get this campus built debt free. We are raising up people that are changing the world. The sun never sets on CBC. It is all over the world changing people's lives. We've been meeting with presidents and first ladies. We've been affecting things and it's just gonna grow and increase because God has already said these things I've planted the seed and we are gonna see it come to pass. And I wanna encourage you to get on board. I wanna encourage you to quit looking at yourself on just the outside. Find out who you are in Christ. Find out what he's given you and start taking your authority and quit acting like a beggar. Quit coming and and just crying and trying to get God to have pity on you. He had pity on you 2,000 years ago when he sent (laughs) Jesus and he's done things and he's now put this power in us. Stir yourself up or you're going to settle to the bottom. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Fight against him. Do something. Don't be like those lepers outside the city of Samaria that said, how long are we going to sit here? Till we die? Do something. If you just sit there asking for different results, you're going to die. Take the word. Take these things that I was talking about tonight. THIS IS HOW THE KINGDOM WORKS. GOD HAS GIVEN US PROMISES, EXCEEDING GREAT AND PRECIOUS PROMISES, THAT BY THESE WE CAN PARTAKE OF HIS DIVINE NATURE, HAVING ESCAPED THE CORRUPTION THAT'S IN THE WORLD THROUGH LUST. NOT THE CORRUPTION THAT'S IN THE NEXT WORLD, BUT THE CORRUPTION THAT'S IN THIS WORLD. GALATIANS 1:4. JESUS GAVE HIMSELF FOR OUR SINS THAT HE MIGHT DELIVER US FROM THIS PRESENT EVIL WORLD. NOT JUST THE ONE TO COME, BUT THIS PRESENT EVIL WORLD. You're a world overcomer. You've got God Almighty living on the inside of you. You should be superior to sickness and disease and poverty and depression. You know, if this was a typical group, it's not unusual for me to preach on a message about emotions and then ask people who are struggling with depression to have 80 or 90% of my group stand because they're battling depression. And I understand that. I have compassion on you, but I don't really. I don't excuse it because God gave us the Holy Ghost. It says the Holy Spirit is given to build us up on Jude chapter one, verse 20. You build yourself up on your most holy faith when you pray in tongues. Then you got this supernatural gift. All you gotta do is just start praying in tongues and build yourself up. And when people have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they're still defeated and discouraged, I have compassion for you, but I don't have much patience. Because you aren't using what you've got. Amen. I tell you, there's times that I just want to take people, and if I was God, I'd just drop kick them into space. Amen. It's a good thing I'm not God. Man, God is a merciful, much more gracious than I am. I'm increasing and getting better, but I just want to shake people sometime and say, You're the you got God living on the inside of you. Yeah. Why aren't you different than your neighbor that doesn't know God? You're afraid of flying, the same as a person that doesn't know God. You're afraid of the recession. You're afraid of this sickness. You're afraid of the flu season. It's like Jesus didn't do anything. There ought to be a difference between you and a dead person. You're alive and they're dead. Yeah. I was in a church one time and a guy died. They called 911 and the emergency team took out half the crowd before they found the dead person. (laughs) Most people are dead. Man, you need to look alive. The buzzards are coming, praise God. Move, do something so that they'll know that you aren't dead. Stir yourself up. Father, I just speak these words to people in the name of Jesus. I'm praying that you would show them how the kingdom works. Father, help them to understand that you've given us these exceeding great and precious promises so that through these, we could partake of your divine nature. Father, I pray that people who are hopeless and helpless and have no direction and they, they know that you can do things, but they don't know how to get there. I pray that you'd help them to see tonight the exact path to take the seed, meditate in it day and night and then they will make their way prosperous. They will have good success. Father, I pray that you take away this hopelessness, this pitifulness, that we'd begin to recognize that greater is he that's in me, that's he that's in the world. That we would begin to start feeding that and release the power that you've placed on the inside of us and we just serve notice tonight on the devil that we aren't gonna be ignorant anymore. We're gonna take the Word of God and we're gonna act on it and we're gonna see this power released in our life in the mighty name of Jesus. I speak hope to people right now that are hopeless. Some of you have had a little glimmer of hope by me saying these things. Man, latch onto it. Take these things. If what I've said is true, it's not you that's the, that's the key, it's the Word. Amen. And you can take the Word the same as anybody else could take the Word. You don't have to leave this up to somebody else. You may not be as sharp as somebody else, but your ground is just as good for the Word of God as anybody else. Father, I pray that hope comes into people here tonight. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You know, I believe that there's a lot of people. I believe there's a lot of people that are going to receive your healing tonight. And we're going to be praying for you. But before I do that, I want to first of all ask if there's anybody here who doesn't know Jesus, this would be a shame for you to hear this message and not make Jesus the Lord of your life. You need to be born again. And you also need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's two things that every person in here needs, to make Jesus your personal Savior and to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, which that includes a lot of things, but one of the things that it includes is speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is an important part of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I know that there's many people that don't preach that and don't believe it, but that's true. I was born again 10 years before I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And I tell you, when I received the Holy Spirit, my life changed outwardly more than it did when I first got born again. It was life changing. I was talking with Dr. Burns about this in the car today and he was talking about when he received. It's miraculous, this is a life changer. Jesus said in Acts chapter one, verse eight, you shall receive power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit which includes many things but it includes speaking in tongues if you don't speak in tongues you need to speak in tongues Somebody's going to say well are you saying i have to speak in tongues no you don't have to speak in tongues you get to speak in tongues it's powerful Somebody so you thinking you can't go to heaven without speaking in tongues? No, you can go to heaven without speaking in tongues and you can get there quicker because you aren't gonna be able to walk in healing and deliverance. But why do you wanna go through this life without taking advantage of something God's given you? If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's like charging hell with a dry water pistol. You need power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So anyway, I know that there's probably many other objections. There's some people that watch me on television because I don't spit and scream and say glory to God. And I don't have a towel wiping my fevered brow. And I'm not your typical Pentecostal. Many of you might've come here under false pretenses thinking this was a fundamental evangelical meeting. BUT I'M TELLING YOU, I SPEAK IN TONGUES. I'VE SPOKEN IN TONGUES TODAY. I SPEAK IN TONGUES ALL OF THE TIME. I AM A TONGUE TALKER AND I'M TELLING YOU THAT IF YOU DON'T SPEAK IN TONGUES, YOU'RE MISSING OUT ON ONE OF THE GREAT, GREAT ADVANTAGES THAT GOD HAS GIVEN US. So. If you need one or both of those things, if you need to make Jesus your Lord, or if you've already done that, but you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you don't speak in tongues, I want to pray with you and help you to receive because this will change your life. Is there anybody here that would raise your hand and say, that's me, I want to receive. If that's you, just hold your hand up so I can see. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.